0: the read to lead podcast episode 27
1: hi i'm andy andrews i'm the author of the traveler's gift the noticer the noticer returns you're about to enjoy another episode of the read to lead podcast with jeff brown
2: I want to know that at the end of my life, I can point to the sum total of my efforts on this earth, and I can say, yes, that represents me. I don't want to take my best work to my grave with me. Welcome to the Read to Lead podcast with Jeff Brown. Jeff believes that if you desire to achieve true success in business and in life, then consistent and intentional reading is a must. The Read to Lead podcast will not only help you narrow this ever-important reading list, but also bring you key insights and Valuable feedback from some of today's most successful and inspiring authors. And now, here's Jeff.
0: Hi, and welcome back to the Read to Lead podcast, where we believe that intentional and consistent reading is key to success in business and in life. We're so glad that you're here. Now, even though you may be listening to this episode in 2014 or beyond, this is the final episode of 2013. In fact, it's being released on December 31st, 2013, the best of 2013, Volume 2. As a matter of fact, last week we looked back at the first 12 episodes of the podcast. This week we'll hear highlights from Episodes 13, through twenty four, many of my favorite moments from those episodes. Now we won't be highlighting all twelve necessarily, but we will hear from as many as seven different authors. By the way, the show notes page for this episode, if you'd like to refer back to it and maybe dig in a little deeper, is read to lead 027 for episode 27. You'll find the links there to each original episode from each author we'll hear from today, as well as their most recent book, the one we spent most of our time talking about. All those links can be found at the show notes page. Again, that's readtoleadpodcast.com slash 027. And just like last week, we're giving away another three books. Check out the show notes page I just mentioned for more details on how you can enter to win. The book's up for grabs this week, Reply All and Other Ways to Tank Your Career from Richie Freeman, The Difference You Make, Changing Your World Through the Impact of Your Influence from Pat Williams, and Business Secrets of the Trappist Monks, One CEO's Quest for Meaning and Authenticity from August Turek. I want to remind you that on January 15th, I'll be co-hosting a webinar with John Lee Dumas, host of the Super Successful Entrepreneur on Fire podcast. And during this webinar, John's going to pull back the curtain, so to speak, on his brand new Podcasters Paradise members-only community, showing you inside the most powerful podcasting community in the world to help you create, grow, and monetize your podcast. The great thing about this is that Podcasters Paradise is a great complement, I believe, to my month-long hands-on Podcaster Academy course that you've heard me speak about. In fact, I believe they go together so well, I'm giving my course away for free to anyone who joins Podcasters Paradise during this webinar. That's a $300 savings. So don't wait. You can sign up for Podcasters Paradise or the webinar right now. Just go to readtoleadpodcast.com slash webinar. That's readtoleadpodcast.com slash webinar. Again, when you sign up for Podcasters Paradise now or during the webinar, you get my course for free. I'm so excited to be able to bring you this sneak peek into Podcaster's Paradise where you can create, grow and monetize your podcast. John and I look forward to seeing you on January 15th. It certainly wasn't for lack of trying, but it was 13 episodes in before we were able to welcome our first female guest to the podcast. That was none other than Lisa B Marshall, author of Smart Talk and her own podcast, The Public Speaker Podcast. Lisa is a communications professional, and one of the things I wanted to ask her about was the keys to making a solid first impression and putting your best foot forward in every situation.
3: Right. So the mouthwash commercials tell us, you know, you don't get a second chance to make a first impression. In fact, there's research that supports that. In 2006, there was two guys that looked at it, and they determined that it only takes one-tenth of a second, that's Mm. one-tenth of one second, to form an attraction, or form an impression, I'm sorry, of attractiveness, of trustworthiness, and competence. And also aggressiveness, by the way, Mm. but the three that we care about here are attractiveness, trustworthiness, and competence. And what's really interesting is that even if you give somebody more time that even that more time, it just cements whatever that initial first impression was.
0: Wow, okay.
3: Yes. So, that first impression is critically important. So, people say, oh, well, you say this, you say that. Well, you don't say anything in the first tenth of a second, generally. Usually, that first tenth of a second is your posture, your handshake, your facial expression, and particularly your smile and your eye contact. Those two things make a huge difference in that initial initial impression
0: if you've ever found yourself in a situation where you didn't know what to say or when to say it, then chapter three of Lisa's book is, is for you. Lisa, I know you get this question a lot. What do I say when fill in the blank? Now, we don't have time to dissect you know, every specific situation necessarily. But what's what's some of the more universal advice you give to people struggling with what to say and when to say it?
3: The most important advice is to not get hung up in the words. Some people think they have to find the perfect words, or they're not quite sure exactly what to say. And if you're not sure exactly what to say, say that. (laughs) I'm not exactly sure
0: what to say. Perfect.
3: The the problem is that a lot of people, when they get into that severe emotional state where they really don't know what to say, then they disappear. They go away because they, they don't know how to handle the situation. And so they don't call the person and then time goes on and time goes on and time goes on. And that just makes the relationship worse. And so the overall advice here is don't worry about the perfect words. Don't worry about it. When you're in those difficult situations, the most important thing is to listen to the other person and tell them that you're being supportive of them, whatever that means. You can even ask them, how can I support you? What is it that's going to help you the most right now? I want to do that for you.
0: On October 1st, we released episode 14 of the podcast. That same day, the book, The Noticer Returns from Andy Andrews came out, and he just happened to be our guest on this episode of the podcast. One of my favorite points in the conversation with Andy was defining the two paths in life laid out before us, the path to average and the path to awesome. Well, we recently had on the show a guy you probably know named John Acuff, who in his latest book, Start, talks about the the two paths that we can travel in life, the path of average and the path of awesome. And I think a lot of folks struggle with that a great deal because the path to average is a lot easier than the path to awesome. And uh, the way it's sort of laid out in the Notice of Returns is this average life versus the opportunity for an extraordinary life. How do, how do you define the difference between those two?
1: Well, you know, average lives, you're right, it is an easier path, but it's also, I guess, just an obvious path. And, and so more people take that because there are more people promoting that path. You know, I have clients who, um, you know, as what besides writing and speaking, I have you know a few clients. I work with some football teams and um, some. Corporations and and one of the things I always tell them right as we begin is I'm not interested in a normal level of improvement. You know I am really interested in extraordinary levels. You know I'm not interested in increasing you know seven to ten percent a year. I, I say if we can't go for two or three hundred percent a year, we're wasting our time. And so. I, I tell them, I said, I'll tell you what your your enemy is going to be right off the bat. Your enemy is going to be thinking that says, Well, I hear you, but that's not the way this industry works. Mm. Well, I hear you, but reality is, well, I hear you, but you know, historically our company has. And so, so, you know, in the notice of returns, Jones, this old man in this book, is is dealing with a younger guy. And he gives him this uh, this secret principle of extraordinary achievement, and I'll do it for you real quick. It, it goes something like this. And and but before before I, I say this, let me just throw this in there because this is funny to me, Jeff. That that anybody who hears this this is very easy to agree with. Mm-hmm. It's a little harder to put into practice. But here here it is. If you're thinking like everybody else is thinking. And you're doing what everybody else is doing, you're probably doing something wrong because everybody is not achieving results that we would all look at and call extraordinary. Mm. So if you're thinking like everybody else is thinking and you're doing what everybody else is doing, you're probably just contributing to the average. Even if you're in first place, even if people are pointing to you and saying, Aren't they doing great? Mm. Chances are you're contributing to the average at a high level. But a high average, is still average. Do you want to be average? Do you want to raise average children? Do you want to have an average marriage? Do you want to have an average uh, amount of financial success? Do you want to have average influence in your community? No. If I gave you a magic wand, you would flip that magic wand around in every part of your life and make every part of your life absolutely extraordinary, right? Absolutely. (laughs) Well, if you would, then we have to be very careful and watch ourselves when we start thinking like other people are thinking and doing what other people are doing because the results of that are average results and that's not what you said you wanted
0: we jump ahead now to episode 16 where our guest was ken davis creator of the score conference and author of secrets of dynamic communication prepare with focus deliver with clarity and speak with power you argue that the most important, uh, important ingredient in the preparation process is focus and that if we don't set a focus for our presentation, uh, unconscious objectives, you call it, will take over. And we've all heard those uh, public talks for, for sure. Oh, my goodness, yeah. <laughs> what, yeah. Are, what are some examples of, of these vague, unconscious objectives that, that can suck the power from a speech?
4: Uh, I hope they like me. <laughs> and so you're constantly you know, studying the audience, and if you see someone that maybe doesn't like what you're saying, you switch up, or, or you design your talk so that they will like you. Hmm. Uh, I'm not sure that's a specific goal, uh, a good specific goal for a talk. The best talks, the best speeches, the best messages are designed so that the audience takes something away from it. Now, they're designed to give rather than to get something from the audience. I hope they like me as someone who's standing up to get something from the audience. Mm. By the way, in regard to that, speaking is feared just right underneath death. I I mean, in our culture, people fear public speaking right underneath death. And I think one of the reasons is their ultimate goal is what are people going to think? I don't care anymore. Uh, if If you speak instead to give people something they will secondarily think that's one of the greatest talks that, that, that they've ever heard if they benefit from it. And many of the people who have come through, uh, we have taught not to let that, that unconscious goal of I hope they like me come in or I hope I do well, and instead just stand up there to deliver something that will benefit people's lives. It changes everything. Another one is, um, you know, I've got a half hour to fill. <laughs> well, hello, just send me a send me an audio tape, Uh, you know, send me a, what are those called now? 3GMs or 3PMs or PMG3 or whatever. (laughs) Send me something I can listen to. Uh, By the way, your listeners will quickly discover I have ADHD and (laughs) am slightly dyslexic.
0: So, but uh, just send
4: me one of those. Forget about coming down here. Forget about us paying the expense, Hmm. you know? Um, And a lot of people say, well, I don't do that. And yet, when they're preparing a speech, number one on their mind is, will this fill the time? Is this, I don't care. I, if, if I stop 15 minutes early and people rush out the door to take some action that'll change their lives, I've succeeded. There's no success in going 30 minutes. And rarely, rarely do you ever find people criticizing a speech when it, uh, going, it, it was too short.
0: If I had a favorite book of 2013, and I do... It's this one, Die Empty, Unleash Your Best Work Every Day. The author is Todd Henry, also the author of the book, The Accidental Creative, and a podcast of the same name. And we spoke with Todd on episode 17. You've helped us define what you mean by work as anything to which you can add value. And you go on to suggest that there are basically three kinds of work. And I'd like for you to, if you would, define each of those and, and what putting them together looks like for us.
2: Yeah, so so the three kinds of work, I mean, we, we tend to think of work as this giant mess of obligations and tasks and priorities and, and activities, but really work can be parsed into three types. Um, the first type is making. And making is the actual doing of the work, right? These are the things we think of when we think of, uh, of, of work, you know, it's the, it's checking items off your list. Mm. So if you're a designer, it's pushing pixels. If you're a writer, it's writing words. If you're a manager, it's actually sitting down and developing this, you know, whatever it is that you develop as a manager that you're accountable for. Um, The second type is, is mapping and mapping is the strategic planning that we have to do. So it's the work before the work, right? So you, you map and then you actually sit down and you, Make, meaning you do, you execute your plans. Those are the two types of things we tend to think of when we think of work. There's a third kind of work that we often neglect and don't think about, and that is what I call meshing. Meshing is all the work between the work, it's all of the ineffable stuff that ties our work together. So it's uh, things like developing your curiosity, developing your skills, it's um, identifying your through line and your work and tying all of your activities back to that through line or the core why that drives your best work. It's all of those kinds of things that we tend to sometimes neglect and not think about because they, they aren't really the tactile parts of our job. And yet they're just as important as mapping and making. And so depending on which, you know, how well we engage in each of those three, we can fall into four different productivity profiles is mm-hmm. what I call them, um, four different profiles that we can fall into. So, if you're really great at mapping and making, but you're not meshing, you're not doing the little ineffable things that tie your work together, develop your skills and position you to be more effective tomorrow, I call that the driver. And the driver is very obsessed with results, uh, today's results, but they're not doing the things that are preparing them for the work that's coming tomorrow. They're not developing themselves, pursuing their curiosity, all of those things. So, they become decreasingly effective over time because they're not sharpening their ability to engage In tomorrow's challenges. Um, Of course, you could be a a great mapper and a great mesher, meaning that you you strategically plan and you're doing all the ineffable stuff, but you're not actually sitting down to make, you're not actually (laughs) producing anything. And I call that the dreamer. The dreamer is a person who loves to talk about projects. They love to talk about their ideas, but they never actually do anything. And I'm sure we both know, Several people who would fall into that profile, right? Oh, <laughs> well, me from time to time. Yeah, well, me too. Yeah, from time <laughs> to time, sure. And we all tend to gravitate toward one or more of these at various times, mm-hmm. right? Um, the, third, the third type is that you could be great at making and great at meshing, but you're not mapping, meaning you don't have a strategic plan. You're not operating according to the conviction of a strategic plan. And that person is what I call the drifter. They bounce from thing to thing from project to project, uh, but they never they they often don't complete them because they're always moving to the shiny new thing they're drifting um, they don't have the the conviction of a strategic plan to keep them focused on an end an objective and then the final profile is when you are mapping making and meshing simultaneously that's what I call the developer, mm. and the developer is the person who is um, developing their skills, they're weaving their opportunities together to help them take advantage of new opportunities, um, but they're also doing a great job of mapping, meaning they have a strategic plan, they're also making, they're diligent about doing the work and they're meshing, they're developing their skills to prepare them to meet tomorrow's objectives. So that's ultimately, that's the, the way that we want to be as a developer. We want to be, to fit into that productivity profile um, ultimately. But all of us, I think, tend to gravitate toward one or the other at the Expense of being a developer.
0: We jump from episode 17 to episode 21, where I got to talk to one of my favorite people. It's Chris Brogan, who is author, along with Julian Smith, of the book The Impact Equation. Are you making things happen? Or just making noise. When it comes to our educational system, I think a lot of times, you know, high schools set one of their goals as being, you know, 100% placement, college placement, as a good goal to strive for. But that mentality suggests the same path for everybody. Uh, you say that there will come a time when these, I think you use the phrase set paths uh, will have failed, but that that time hasn't come yet, a time when what to do won't be obvious like it might be today. I think this scares a lot of people, but, but why is that a good thing or, or is it a good thing?
5: You know, that's a that's a really good uh, question to ask. I I would say that the the, there's a huge challenge right in front of everybody, which is to say that uh, the jobs that we were promised and the work that we were promised that's current out there in the universe is no longer there. And uh, James Altucher in his book, Choose Yourself. I mean, this is a reading podcast after all. We have to <laughs> get many books in here. James talks about, you know, he's a, he's a guy and he lives in upstate New York, but he visits the city a lot for business. And when he goes there, it's amazing how many big, giant skyscrapery buildings only have a few floors of people in them. You know, so there might be, you know, a 40 story building and there might be only two or so levels of actual, you know, employees at desks and those people all used to work there. So that gives you a little sense of what's going on is that the kind of standard desk job universe that a lot of us were sort of promised isn't there. Uh, I I live inside of a factory building from, from yesteryear and uh, where I am now is in a town where uh, before there were cars and there were only horse-drawn carriages, this was sort of the Detroit of that area in Massachusetts And so I sleep every night that I'm home anyway, in a, in a bed that's inside what used to be a factory that these jobs don't exist either. Mm. You know what I mean? So I think that there's a great abundance of new work happening and it's not all, you know, butterflies and creative fairies and we're all going to be keynote speakers. I mean, there's real work to be done, but you know, for instance, I'm working with an internet company and we have every intention of uh, putting this this company together that's going to be you know have a million dollar I uh, sorry billion dollar valuation mm-hmm. in, in not too long a time and that's really only going to take 40 or 50 employees. Wow. So what used to be required for that kind of revenue and what that kind of value was a lot more and really all through the whole process Jeff it's been this sort of experience of you know how few people do i need to make it happen and so in part of what we wrote in the book the impact equation was really pointing towards the fact that you're you're really going to have to stand out to, to get if you want to do something mundane and if you don't want to do something mundane then you really really have to
0: stand out in this best of 2013 volume 2 edition of the read to lead podcast we've already heard from several new york times best selling authors that group also includes Our next guest from episode 22, Gary Vaynerchuk, best-selling author and social media expert. He shares hard-won advice on how to connect with customers and beat the competition in his new book, Jab, 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 Right Hook. On a platform like Facebook, Gary, what do you think are some of the key elements of effective storytelling that that most businesses and brands are are missing or are are passing over?
6: The time of which they post? Mm the psychology of why somebody's on Facebook. It's very family. It's very catching up on the people that you know and the things that you're interested in. Um, the, the amount of copy uh, and where to place the call to action in the picture, the understanding of when it should be a picture versus when it should be words. And most of all, that Facebook is not an email service. It's not to use as distribution to drive awareness to somewhere else.
0: You have the same affinity for Twitter that I do. It has been so valuable to me over the years. You were a big part of that. I mentioned Chris Brogan as well. How did Twitter play to your strengths in the early going?
6: I like to listen for as much as I like to talk. And boy, do I <laughs> like to talk. And I'll cut you off multiple times in this interview. I <laughs> love to talk. But what what I'm really good at is collecting consumer data and behavior. And, and I Twitter's the greatest... Listen... Let's start let me take a step back. I believe that Twitter is the true social network, the true social network. Whereas the other ones are mer- very focused on pushing out when Facebook took away comments showing up on your Facebook page wall, mm-hmm. they took themselves out of being a social network and they put themselves into being a content distribution platform.
0: Another uh, platform you, you spend an extensive amount of time in the book writing about is, is Instagram and, uh, and about its limitations for brands, and that it's a closed loop. And that because of that, you know, brands and, and businesses struggle with how to use it effectively. What, what advice would you give them for, for getting better at it?
6: Treat it like you're running ads in the best magazine in your industry. Mm-hmm. Like, what ad would you run on Sports Illustrated if you were in a magazine or Vogue or Maxim? you know, treat it like magazine because it's really print advertising.
0: Gary, what are some of the emerging platforms and networks uh, that you're keeping an eye on that maybe aren't quite there yet, but you see coming to the fore in the next year or two?
6: Uh, I'm a big fan of Snapchat. I'm a big fan of WANELO, W-A-N-E-L-O. I'm a huge fan of Medium. Uh, Those are the three.
0: We round out the best of 2013 volume two with suitcase entrepreneur author Natalie Sisson. I asked Natalie about this concept of making yourself uncomfortable if you ever expect real change in your life and why she believes being
7: uncomfortable is necessary. Because if you stay within your comfort zone, you never do anything, which we all know. So it's very easy to, if you're into TV, to sit and watch TV, to not get out of the house, to not um, push yourself and sign up for a quarter Man, for example so I think when you really do take yourself out of the comfort zone that's where the magic happens um, and it can be scary and it can be challenging but that is honestly where you see the most growth personally it's where you test your boundaries and it's definitely where you learn more about yourself than you ever would have if you just stayed within the stuff that you already know and, and probably do very well.
0: Another lesson that, that that Natalie shares is uh, what she calls knowing your worth, and I love this, Natalie. You said that you realized at one point that because of your existing knowledge, you said, "quote I can monetize me." What, <laughs> what was that like when when you came to that realization?
7: I, a lot of people cringe at that. They like, oh, go, "I hate the word monetize," but honestly, I do think you can monetize yourself, and you should if you have skills and knowledge that other people would value, then it's worth packaging that into something that you can help them uh, help them with and actually get them to pay you for. I mean, that's the standard basis of any business, right? Solve a problem or um, solve a need that somebody has that they value and they will pay you money for. But I think that more and more, we have this opportunity to become what I talk about as sort of leading learners, which is where you go ahead and you learn something, you apply it, and then you can actually turn around and teach people who are just a few steps behind you what you've done or how they can apply it to themselves and that's really valuable and that's where you can start to monetize yourself and a lot of people I think say no I don't have any special knowledge or skills but I think we take a lot for granted and what we do naturally and what comes naturally to us. So it's really worthwhile exploring those things that your friends say, hey, you know what? You're really good at you know, cooking French meals or you're really great at matchmaking people um, or you're really great at simplifying the complex. And those are the things that people will pay you for if you can find that sweet spot. Uh,
0: in, in yet another lesson, you suggest to maximize what you've got and to never stop testing. I'd like to know, Natalie, what are some examples of ways that you've accomplished that?
7: I think I'm always tweaking and testing. Um, So, every single launch that I've done of a digital product or a program uh, or a workshop, I've just always tested out different ways of not only how I've structured it or how it's delivered, but also how I've marketed it. And it's interesting actually to see, you know, over the years. I've gone more for the how can I make this accessible to everybody because I love for people to feel like they're included and I want to help as many people as possible up to now when I've actually launched um, something that's much more exclusive. I'm not marketing it in the normal way. It's very much internal within my community. It's, uh, It's application only. It's all the things that I've never done before, actually, and I just love the learning lessons that come from that. And that has just come from listening and understanding my audience and knowing what works and what solutions deliver and then creating that and and putting it out there in a different way. And I just love that. I mean, I think I'm always learning and I would hope that people in my community are and I hope that you are. And to actually test that out and see how it works rather than always doing the same thing.
0: The final episode of 2013 is now officially in the book. I want to remind you that you have the chance to win one of three Books here at the end of the year. That is, if you're listening to the podcast between December 31st and the morning of January 4th. Books up for grabs include Reply All and Other Ways to Tank Your Career from Richie Freeman, our guest on episode 18 of the podcast. Our guest on episode 15 was Pat Williams The Difference You Make, Changing Your World Through the Impact of Your Influence and our guest on episode 25 was August Turek He's the author of Business Secrets of the Trappist Monks One CEO's Quest for Meaning and Authenticity. To find out how you can have a shot at winning one of those books just go to the show notes page for this episode. It's readtoleadpodcast.com slash 027. You'll also find links there to each of the original interviews you heard in today's episode and a link to each author's most recent book. I would love it here at the end of the year if you would take the time to rate and review the podcast. You can do that in iTunes or on the Stitcher platform. To rate and review the podcast in iTunes, just go to readtoleadpodcast.com slash iTunes. And to rate and review it on Stitcher, you can go to readtoleadpodcast.com slash Stitcher. Uh, several new reviews coming in last week from Stitcher. Five star ratings and reviews from here was there. Also, David J. Lonergan from Australia. Thank you, David. And Alexander Dovglyuk from Russia with another five star rating and review. Thanks so much to each and every one of you. And thanks to you for making the Read to Lead podcast launch in 2013 such a huge success. I certainly could not have done it without you and, of course, our wonderful guests. And I'm looking forward to all the great books that I can bring you in 2014. Please remember that if you or someone you know has launched or is about to launch a podcast, you can get my month-long Podcaster Academy course for free when you sign up for John Lee Dumas's Podcasters Paradise and our upcoming webinar that's happening January 15th. Go to readtoleadpodcast.com slash webinar to find out more. That does it for this week, the last episode of the year. I'll see you next week for the first 2014 episode of the Read to Lead podcast, January 7.
2: Thanks so much for listening to the Read to Lead podcast. As a subscriber, we challenge you to be more than just a passive listener. Become a vital member of the community. Visit us on the web at com and chat with other members at facebook.com slash nation. Until next time, remember,
0: leaders read and readers lead.